Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which police radio sent you. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, you know, this is a show about Winnipeg musicians, and the uh, guest on this episode is definitely a Winnipeg musician, but uh, we're on the line right now, and you're in, in Guelph, Ontario. So I think that uh, we will have to get into some backstory about, you know, how you ended up there, and also all of the things you did while you were here. But I think to start everything off, if you want to just introduce yourself, and maybe give a little bit of background on, on what you do musically for people who aren't familiar, and then we can take it from there. Sure, yeah. Uh, my name's Curtis Walker. i my alias is Blunders Public, and I've been uh, making computer music uh, in various cities since, gosh, 1997, I guess. <laughs> so it's been a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I always run into trouble trying to trying to describe the music to people who haven't heard it. Um, <laughs> but well, I, uh, yeah, I feel like computer music is good. I mean, it. it, it Definitely, I don't know if it describes it specifically, but it kind of gives you more more overall sort of umbrella genre uh, uh, where it could fit, right? Yeah, yeah. You know I'm not like sitting behind a cello or... (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, computer music is such a huge field too, yeah. Right, it could mean anything from techno to someone... It could literally be anything at this point because computers are so such an integral part of music making for so many different styles of music anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1998, like when I put my first album out, it was more of a niche, you know? Yeah, yeah, like I make music on a computer. That was Whoa, like that yeah. was strange, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now it would be weird if someone didn't use a computer in the process. <laughs> that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, maybe maybe that's a good way to sort of uh, jump from there, though, is... is how did you get involved in making computer music? Because like you said, when you first started releasing music in the late 90s, that wasn't really a, a, the typical route people took towards being creative. I mean, it was a, it was an outlet for sure, but computers were so much just shittier, <laughs> just in general in terms of, <laughs> and they could do some great stuff, but in terms compared to now, right? I mean, if someone's oh, yeah. listening to this and they're like 20 years old and they're making music on the computer, the setup and just the, the, the amount of software and, and, and things you could just do with it were so much more limited back then. So how did you, oh, yeah. how did you get started in that? Uh, well, I, I started on guitar actually, and I was like really in, interested in recording, um, you know, and I was like living in my, in my parents' basement. Yeah. So I was recording on tape, you know, and like reel to reel and making tape loops and using a karaoke machine to, to do overdubs. Oh, cool. Myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then my parents got like a, I think it was a 486 or computer or something, Windows 3.1. Yeah, yeah. And I had this epiphany one day that I could uh, like sample cassettes and CDs into Cool Edit okay. Pro. <laughs> um, and so that's what got me started. I just like, would sample some samples in and really mess with them until they were completely unrecognizable uh, and then kind of collaging them together. Yeah. Um, so like in my, my first album which was a cdr like you'd never know it but there was you know some frank zappa samples in there and stuff like that that was just like obliterated (laughs) beyond any recognition and the cool thing about like a the shittiness of the computer itself was that uh it created all these extra artifacts oh sure yeah yeah i mean you can't even you can't even get a computer to make a lot of those sounds anymore but um this just uh, two years ago, this was the 20th anniversary of that first album yeah. I put in my made in my basement, and um, so I put it a remastered version up on Bandcamp, and I realized when I was tagging it that there's actually a ton of people and a lot of kids, even like 20 year old kids yeah. these days, using trackers to make music, um, 
I was tagging it with Impulse Tracker, which was like the software that I had used in DOS in okay. 1997. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I found out there was like tons of things that were tagged with Impulse Tracker. <laughs> so your your necessity is now an aesthetic choice for a lot of these yeah. people. Yeah, that, that's kind of cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the aesthetics are actually pretty different now because I think a lot of young people use trackers to make um, like chip tune, like a yeah, yeah. sound yeah. music. But um, like that, that wasn't my goal at the time. Sure. Yeah. You were just trying to, trying to make music with what you had, I guess, right? Like with the yeah. equipment available to you. Sure. So what is, I guess, what has kind of uh, propelled you to keep, keep doing this for as long as you have? Because, you know, over the course of doing this podcast, I've had people on who are 18, people who are 70. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's such a wide range, but I mean, to be doing the same project for as long as you have, I mean, I realize you've done a lot of different things with it, but it's, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's longevity, I think, uh, as far as being an experimental type of musician as well. Yeah. Um, well, I, it's an interesting question because it is just like a curiosity and a drive that continues, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there have been like a lot of moments, uh, like especially actually in the transition moving from Winnipeg to Guelph was, was a a moment where I could have just given up, you know? Right. Right. (laughs) I actually like everything was in a, was in boxes. Like I had no idea where my MIDI controller was for like a year and a half, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) And it would have been a lot easier to actually just, just bail. bail. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what? I'm just going to start making (laughs) shoegaze music with my guitar. And like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but like, I at this point I can't I kind of can't stop you know like the this the song ideas keep coming you know and I have this like horrible folder on my <laughs> cell phone that's like three hundred song ideas oh yeah you know yeah. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna make those three hundred songs but like uh, you know the inspiration never stops coming so it's you know you kind of have to let it out somehow yeah. right well even yeah. if even one of those songs out of the three hundred becomes something. That's, it seems like a yeah. success, right? I mean, you know, having all those ideas and at least making a few of them come to fruition. Yeah. Oh, and this is what always happens. It's like I'm just goofing around in my studio for four years, and then <laughs> um, and then I'm like, oh, I have you know ten songs. I guess I have an album now. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So I'm like, oh, I made these songs. I guess I should put them out, right? And then I, you know, I, I guess because I love them, I should put the work into promoting them you yeah know. <laughs> well and you're self-releasing this happening. right these are all being self-released yeah so there's yeah. there's a whole other level of um i guess deciding yeah these songs are are what you want people to hear because you're putting all the work into not only writing and recording them but yeah, promoting them and and, and getting them pressed on whether it's on cd or however you're doing it for whatever album right so yeah there's yeah, uh, yeah. so i guess yeah. you have to like it enough <laughs> to want to make, put those out there yeah exactly <laughs> and and I mean, I, I think if you, I don't know, I can't even imagine making music that you don't enjoy yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of of the opinion these days that there's maybe like too much music, you know? So I feel, I do feel a little bit of guilt, like <laughs> putting out and put, adding another hour of music to the pile, Yeah. you know, <laughs> the now infinite pile of music. But, um, you know, I do think it's actually like 40, 42 minutes well spent if someone sat down and listened to the album, you know? So right, I... right. <laughs> well, yeah, that is that is a problem, actually, though, just in general. I mean, it comes up a lot on the show, regardless of who I'm talking to. It's that, you know, the internet has made it so everyone can release music instantly, which is fantastic. You can record something in your bedroom and put it online the same day, and, and people can hear it all over the world, which is great. But there's also a hundred times more people doing that, and, and you know, 90% of it is terrible. Yeah. And then now the ones who are actually doing really good, insightful, interesting music, they have to find a way to market themselves to, to get their heads above the, the crowd of everybody else doing stuff. And it's it, I think there's a lot of things that get lost because a lot of people are good at the creative side of things, but not necessarily the, uh, I don't want to call it the business side, but it almost is the business side, even yeah, for definitely. independent artists, like just to, just to get yourself heard. And I mean, you've been doing it for a long time and your name certainly like pe- people know who you are. They've heard your music and that you have an advantage, I guess there, but still, yeah, you're, you're up against, you know, every 20 year old kid who's now has decided that your aesthetic is their aesthetic <laughs> and you have to <laughs> kind of find a way to get, get it, get it out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was on, I was online the other day and I, I, so I don't know who it was, but somebody said like, oh yeah, you know, 
I, I put all my garbage music on SoundCloud and I like reserve like Bandcamp for the good stuff. <laughs> and I was thinking like, why put the garbage yeah. music anywhere at all? <laughs> yeah, just, just just save the good stuff and put it on everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have a problem with like uncurated yeah, know, music. <laughs> well, and we're in a world where it's so easy to have uncurated music because you can just you can literally release everything and just barf it up there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. And maybe no you're like it. me, like you're maybe you're like me, and like I, I, I'm so curious about music that I can't resist the urge to like listen to something. Totally. If it's sitting in front of me, it's like, oh, is this going to be exciting? Oh, no, it's not. Okay. Yeah. But then there's always this tinge of like, wait, I've given it a couple songs and it's terrible, but maybe, maybe there'll be like the third song. We'll have some kind of, some kind of hook to it and I'll, and I'll dig it. But yeah, I know what you mean for sure. Yeah, exactly.
so I mean, you have a you have a new record coming out, and you're you know kind of jumping off what we were just talking about. How how do you intend to kind of promote this record now that you are releasing something new and you have whatever identity you have that people recognize you or are familiar with the name? How do you get it out there? How do you how do you get it above people's heads, or do you even care about that at this point? Uh, well, like historically, I've been famously bad at the promotion part of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is why I've like always, you know, I prefer to like not put it out myself in a lot of instances. Um, but in, in recent years, I've gotten a little more savvy with it, you know, like I've actually got a mailing list now okay. and, uh, like evidence actually shows that an email is kind of a more effective way of actually reaching people than random social media posts. Yeah, because they have to opt in, um, right? They're like choosing to, to give you their, their contact info. So they obviously yeah. want enough of, they, they like it enough to, to want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, and if they're gonna if they're gonna open the email, then they're probably gonna read the email. Whereas, like you know, uh, maybe a thousand people see it in the news feed, but no one's slowing down. To, no, they're just read that scrolling right? and scrolling forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I like I've got a few more tricks up my sleeve. I mean, it's still a huge slog, right? And there's a lot of memes about that. You know, you yeah. spend like years like crafting this finely tuned music, and someone listens to the first 45 seconds <laughs> yeah yeah that, that, that's right that's that's a huge thing is that you know you, there's no guarantee anymore that someone's gonna listen to a piece of music from start to finish they're gonna you know even if it's intended to be you know this this one overarching piece of music over 10 tracks or whatever the odds on someone actually doing that is so slim now and they're gonna pick track eight and listen to it for 10 seconds and then move on yeah. to the next thing right <laughs> and it feels like very arrogant of me to be releasing an 11 song album. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I have 11 songs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I-, I was listening to the album today and um, one thing I noticed about it, and I don't know if this is something that you've done intentionally or if I'm, I'm just reading into it too much, but um, it definitely has, especially for the first part of it, the first few tracks, there's a really ominous kind of vibe to it. Like it sounds um, darker, I think, than some of the other stuff you've done. And uh, it has this kind of like doomy, gloomy sort of uh, feeling to it that, that sort of permeates the whole first three or four tracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was kind of unintentional, actually. Um, the way I assemble most of my albums is really is really just like the favorite songs that I've put together in the past few years. Okay. Um, but I do, I'm very much drawn to like s- songs that have a uh, either like a darker sensibility, like, you know, a minor chord progression yeah. or that are like emotionally, like very ambiguous. Okay. You know, like, like kind of flat. Well, no, it's like, I, you know, I don't know how to feel about this chord progression. You okay. Know? Like, okay. <laughs> I've actually like put out uh, a mix on SoundCloud of like, um, it's called between moods and it's all songs that are like n- neither like happy or sad. You know, but this kind of like, I mean, there's a thousand other emotions you can feel. Sure, you know, of course, between, yeah, yeah. You know, between like the major chord progression and a minor chord progression. Um, yeah, but I do agree. Like when I was assembling it, um, like I think the hardest part is like doing the track listing, you know, because I wanted to have, there's also a lot of songs with singing on mm-hmm. this, which is kind of atypical for what I do. So I wanted to balance like, singing and not singing back and forth and like more positive feel and more negative feel kind of back and forth. Okay. So there's like lumps of emotion that, um, that happen. But I, I definitely, when I'm putting a song together, uh, I tend towards the, the darker side. Yeah. And when I'm, when I'm listening to music too.
Well, I don't know if I don't know if dark is even the right word. It almost like almost foreboding. Like it almost seems like there's there's it's it's like something bad is going to happen at some point on the record, <laughs> and this is just kind of getting you getting you set up in the mood to to anticipate. But, but then it gets it gets a lot sunnier. Like you know, you go through that first little uh, section of foreboding, and then things brighten up a bit. And then uh, you know, like you said, there's singing and there's kind of a much more. Um, like major chords, I guess. Like you know, in terms of the uh, the overall tone of it. So, is yeah. it like uh, uh, when you listen back to it? Do you feel? Uh, do you have a different feeling of experiencing the whole thing start to front than maybe you did when you were individually assembling the tracks? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you know, I I think a lot about that when I'm like assembling the the track listing is like, what is the experience of going from like one to eleven, and. And, you know, I, sadly, I kind of ha- want to take into account, like, the short attention spans yeah. of listeners, too, right? So, like, if you're going to jump in in the middle, like, what's what's that going to feel like right. at the end? Right, you know? But uh, I I think I've assembled it into a bit of a journey, and I don't... there Towards the end of the album, I do feel like there is a bit of a descent, and it could be a bummer, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Well, you set them but up for it at the beginning, though. There's that, like, there's the foreboding. You know, something bad's about yeah. to happen, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like moments of high energy, like kind of bookending the album. Too. Sure. So it's so it's not just like all like slow and foreboding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, there's like no, the ahead, second to last track. I've, 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 I'm definitely like paying an homage to um, uh, like Jezu and Godflesh. Yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Second to last track, which is kind of it's actually more of like a, a positive chord progression anyways but it's aggressive again yeah yeah and and it's a like kind of funny contradiction because you know if you meet me walking down the street i'm like a happy-go-lucky guy you know like you know not an ounce of aggression in me but yeah. maybe i just like exercise all that in the music <laughs> does that come from what you're listening to as well like i mean were you maybe like heavily listening to Godflesh or something at the time that you put that together or is that just something that seeps in kind of uh subconsciously uh no i was listening to godflesh when i was like 15 <laughs> yeah 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 so that all just it's like soaks in you yeah, know <laughs> yeah I, I grew up in like the you know the grunge era i yeah. guess so um i still listen to godflesh so it's it's oh, yeah. <laughs> no judgment i love godflesh yeah great band yeah <laughs> no but like you know if i like i i really also really love i listen to literally like every genre of music um but like like take ambient for example like i have no patience for like something that's really like soft like borderline like new age meditation okay. ambience you know like i i need like a grittiness and a grunginess and like a some texture to it and yeah some distortion you know so yeah, yeah, i think yeah like for better or for worse like what we listen to when we're teenagers like always seeps back in it does yeah yeah i think there's like a certain age group and once whatever you're listening to then no matter how good or bad it is it it always becomes like it's permanently stuck in a part of your brain where this is the best music that i was ever released even if it's objectively (laughs) terrible like it's just you were around when you know whatever age you were 13 or something when whatever it is they hit you you're stuck with it and i I think it's definitely the case for sure yeah yeah (laughs) totally you can still cringe about it now but yeah but but you still love it though right you secretly love it yeah yeah well that's maybe a good uh a good slash awkward segue into your um your kittens and shit album because that is kind of uh i mean i'd heard your name before i definitely i'm sure i'd heard some tracks here and there but that was sort of the entry point for me is hearing that because the concept of it was so cool. And as someone who, you know, sort of hoards local music and, and tries to, um, you know, well, hoard is, I guess, is the best word for it. But you know, I, I can understand the desire to, um, you know, bring some of that stuff back in, in, in a new way. So uh, based on the songs that you've chosen there, I mean, I, I first started going to shows in Winnipeg, all ages shows around 95. So that stuff is like just predates me. So um, a lot of those bands, like I've heard since and I knew of but it's very cool to kind of uh, kind of hear some of that stuff uh, now as an adult. But as a teenager, they're all just names that I, you know, I still on posters yeah. or whatever, right? So what is your sort of background, I guess, in the local music scene? It seems like it tends towards some of the heavier, heavier stuff. Yeah, well, like even then I was super curious about all kinds of music. And um, yeah, every, like any, every weekend we'd go to one or two all ages shows. Yeah. You know, we just like bounce between the West End Cultural Center or like 
Aussies would probably have a show, you yeah, know, or yeah. like, I don't know, like a couple other venues that have been and gone, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Long, um, some of them long gone, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. But uh, I, w- I was also like spending any disposable income I had on like, yeah, buying cassettes or like buying the seven inch or buying the CD and listening to it obsessively. Yeah. And I, and like I had a pretty broad taste back then so i mean i i was excited by the really heavy stuff but also like you know the the bonaducci's or something that was like a bit lighter and popular and the bands i played in at the time well like in the 90s like early 90s i was like in a kind of pop punk band (laughs) so uh you know that that stuff was exciting to me too but i mean the interesting thing about putting kittens and shit together was like I there was a a lot of other bands I could have also covered right but you can't like I you can't go can't go online and find out how to play like a painted thin song you know there's yeah no, tab, no tab on, yeah 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 for sure and there's yeah. like and then all you have is a is a crappy tape that's been sitting around for 20 years so you can barely hear the guitar yeah. parts anymore you know so a uh, part of like I love every song that I covered there, of course, but I, I should hope so. Yeah, <laughs> given the chance, I would have covered a bunch more. And I actually, it started a, a bulletproof nothing cover too that I never finished. Oh, cool. Um, and that was kind of partly as an homage to because they were the first live band I ever saw in Winnipeg when I was like they they opened for Sloan. Okay. At Le Rendezvous, and I don't even know what year that was, like nineteen ninety three or 94 or something yeah 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 so i kind of felt like oh i should probably do a, a bulletproof nothing cover you know and like in the 30 years since like i've gotten to know like all well steve bates and mike germain or like guys like that so i kind of felt like you know they're the granddaddies i should like pay some respect you know? yeah 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 <laughs> but i never did finish that that cover <laughs> well, it's, it's a cool concept though, because I mean, like you know, you have a very obviously a very different style than most of those most of those artists that you that you yeah. covered, and so it's um hopefully you you introduced some people to some of those bands. Like, I mean, I don't know if uh, how much crossover there is between your audience and and you know, say Kitten's audience, uh, but but <laughs> but it, it would be cool to to find out if someone maybe went back and, and dug up some of those old records after hearing you know what what you had to do uh, on on your versions. Yeah, totally. And 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 when I covered the the shit song, yeah. I was thinking like uh, there's no way like anyone is going to even be able to hear the original even if they wanted right. to. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so I I I made a little YouTube video with the original cassette just like in case anyone's like so curious that they want to Oh, as a reference. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you know, what that song was based off of, they can hop on YouTube and like hear the original at least. Yeah. I'm kittens are a little more available at least. But. Yeah, I mean you can you can definitely find some of the records floating around out there and stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, but man, they were they were like the most exciting thing to me when I saw them. Yeah, they're back unbelievable. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then those records are still exciting too. Like, they, they still sound like it's just it's just so much so much action happening <laughs> kind of yeah. all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So you obviously have a, an affinity for Winnipeg music, right? Or otherwise you wouldn't have spent the time on that project. Um, do you still? Do you do you have like uh, positive nostalgia about Winnipeg? You know, now that you're not not here anymore, do you? Um, what is your sort of uh, outsider's view now on the Winnipeg music scene? You know, whether past or present, like h- however you you kind of in- see it. Um, you know, like I I love Winnipeg actually, and I was reluctant to leave. Frankly, yeah. like <laughs> I I left. Uh, um, you know, I left a career behind, and I was I you know when. I, I moved kind of like for our family to Guelph um, and Guelph was a neutral ground. Like it's okay. not my wife's hometown or anything like that either. But we both said like, Oh, we'll give it a year and try it out. And actually that's how I tricked her into moving to Winnipeg in the first place. <laughs> I said, Let's move. Like, we were living in Montreal okay. and uh, like uh, we both are, yeah, we both lost our jobs and like some of our best friends were moving away from Montreal. And I said like, 
let's move to Winnipeg. Like, let's just give it a year, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then she was trapped there for nine years. But, <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, she, she learned to appreciate it in that time. And I, I still really love Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think, like, the, the music scene, just, like, gets kicked around constantly. And, like, there's always you know, venues shutting down. And yeah. Yeah. Especially now with like, the craziness going on. Yeah. 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 Now. But I mean, even before then, it's like seemed so hard to keep a, a venue alive for like more than three years, you know, but then bands keep getting churned out. Con- like, it seems like that doesn't yeah. stop anyone. Like people will find yeah, somewhere exactly. to play, whether it's some guy's basement or whatever, like there, there, there's the, the venues just turn around. It kind of sucks because some of them have so much history and so much, you know, so many cool things that have happened and, and amazing bands that have played there. But yeah, they just, they turn them around and something else comes up and then 7,000 new bands start the next week and it's like back to the same old, (laughs) yeah. I think that Winnipeg, and this is my, like I'm, I'm part of this too for sure, has this idea of ourselves as being something. I don't want to say something special as far as the music scene goes, but we, I think we think we have a, a maybe a bigger reputation outside of the city than we do, and I never know about that because like you know I'm always here. I, I rarely leave Manitoba for any reason, and so my idea is that yeah, Winnipeg is amazing. We have this great music scene. I've, I mean, I've been talking about it twice a week for eight years now on on this podcast, right? So I mean, what is your I guess perception of that? You know removed from winnipeg like it is winnipeg like everywhere else or do we have something particularly uh unique to our music scene no i think it's i think it is special actually and um having lived in in other cities yeah um like i i and i'm not i'm not going to churn out like this the same cliches about why 
you, you know, people are more creative in Winnipeg. Yeah, there's the same answer but... <laughs> everyone gives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, there, you know, in places, like, we, I moved to Montreal, and I was immediately noticing all the differences in that, like, Montreal was very much more uh, cliquey, you know? Okay. Like, if, if you made computer music, you played shows with other people who made computer music, you know? Whereas, like, in Winnipeg, like, I could open for, you know, somebody who made hip-hop, or yeah. I could open for, like, an indie rock band, or... I could open for experimental noise headliner, you know, which was exciting mm -hmm. and, and like both to be on stage, but also like in the audience, it's exciting to kind of see different styles and be exposed to different styles yeah, in the yeah. same night, you know, and it makes for like a more well-rounded listener, you know. And a more well-rounded like, community too, because people are all joining yeah. each other's bands and you have someone who's a punk band one day and next week they're playing bass in a country band because they, because of that, that exact thing, right? They had the opportunity to play on the same bill as this country band and then, Oh, we need a bass player. Hey, that guy from last yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And before I moved away, uh, you know, the second time, uh, I was playing in a band called Velodrome, which was oh, yeah. like, yeah. you know, totally different, uh, scene. Like, and, uh, the, that, that scene was like, totally open welcoming and even though i'd never i you know hadn't played heavy music in a really long time i already knew a lot of people in the scene of course you know? yeah yeah and we were they were already really friendly and like a lot of a lot of those like metal guys like new blunders public music yeah you know? so yeah it's so much easier to to move around in different circles when everyone's so incestuous <laughs> interconnected yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> So if people are hearing about you for the first time on this show, I mean, you know, again, there's such a wide range of people I talk to. It's very possible that, you know, this could be someone's first introduction to you. What's the best yeah. way to find out more about what you're doing? I mean, you're not here in Winnipeg, not that anyone's playing shows here in Winnipeg anyway, but, you know, because of the pandemic. But but you're, uh, you know, you're a Winnipeg expat, I guess we can call you. And so what's the best option to, to track down your records? Uh, obviously, the new one included, but and just to see what you're up to. Um, well, Bandcamp has uh, my Bandcamp page is a pretty thorough back catalog of uh, most of what I've put out in the last like ten years okay. at least. <laughs> um, and uh, sadly, like I have a Facebook page, you know, <laughs> you can always go there and check it out. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of videos on YouTube and. Uh, you know, I like goofing around on Twitter. So yeah, yeah. if you want to like get in touch with me, that's a good place to to get in touch with me. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So those are the main venues. Like uh, Bandcamp is, I think, really good for a good overview of like what I've been doing in the past long while. Well, it's the way people can buy the music from you directly too, which is always nice. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or just listen to it for free. Or, or, like, or that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Are, are there are there um, copies like of your old records floating around anywhere, or um, like can people still pick? Or are those long gone out of out of print? Uh, you know, like I dropped some off at Into the Music before I left. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they might be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, check the pawn shops. <laughs> Actually, my friend, my a friend of mine who lives in Toronto, uh, who I, actually like we we had a record label um, in Winnipeg, like record label. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of more like a collective, but um, we we both started it together. Anyways, he, he uh, sent me a message the other day saying that um, somebody was on Discogs trying to sell the Velodrome LP for two hundred and twenty five bucks. Oh, wow, <laughs> you, you know what? Though? There is there is uh, like. I like Discogs. I don't. I don't buy anything on there because I can't handle um, like the shipping costs are so crazy for almost everything I want. Yeah. But but yeah. I have advertised uh, a copy of my '90s ska band CDR <laughs> for like some obscene amount of money. No one's gonna buy it, but I just like the idea that it's there <laughs> and that if someone sees it, oh, this is worth five hundred dollars. No, it's worth ten cents. But you know, like, maybe maybe I can make people think that uh, you know yeah yeah. So that's a good angle. I haven't thought of that angle yet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, the reason I thought of it too is I. I I know a guy here in the city who, I don't know if he still does it, but he had a tape label. And um, I noticed a bunch of stuff on his label was being sold on Discogs for obscene amounts of money. So I asked him about it, and he said, oh, it's just my friend who is just, like, you know, cranking up the prices. And if I, he sells them, he'll give me half the <laughs> half the proceeds from it. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's like a good way to artificially, uh, you know, increase the importance of, uh, the, the perceived importance of your records. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so the the new album, what's the title of it? We didn't we didn't mention that yet. Oh yeah, it's called uh, Trackers Trails. Trackers Trails. Okay. Yeah, and I, and so the the image on the cover is a uh, an old photograph that I actually dug out from my family cottage. Oh cool. Um, so it's a this like massive evergreen tree that grows uh, near the lake at the cottage, and then. Uh, I think I came up with the cover art and the title separately, but um, Trackers Trails is, is kind of like a, for any super nerd out there, is a reference to like the tracker software okay. that I that I used to use like 20 years ago. And so Trackers Trails is like a reference to um, the, like these songs all came after that era of Blunders Public. Okay, cool. But I mean, to anyone who's not a nerd, they would just like see an evergreen tree and trackers trails and kind of think of, you know, forest or hiking or something. Yeah. 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 yeah, Hunting, you know, (laughs) but it is kind of an ominous picture too, though. I mean, I don't know if that's just my, maybe I was looking at it while I was listening, but it has this kind of uh, foreboding vibe to it as well. And and so does the font. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually I was, I was talking about that with my son. Cause like, uh, you know, I, I was goofing around with the graphic design of the cover art and I was like, oh, you know, do you like this version better or this version better? Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, no, I like this one because it's, it looks dark, like it's nighttime. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm afraid of though. You know, <laughs> it looks too ominous maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it suits the vibe at the beginning of the record anyway. Right. Like, like yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it suits like the, uh, kind of larger emotional state of the world <laughs> sure yeah 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 i don't like i i, I personally like to listen to music that mat- matches the emotional state i'm in yeah you know some other people like to kind of like do the opposite you know but i know what you mean though there's definitely even even seasonal like there's there's summer records there's records i won't listen to in the winter because they just for whatever reason and it's not necessarily that it's sunny music it just evokes summertime for me and I, I it would feel wrong to listen to it in the winter time so uh, I, yeah. I, I get that yeah. for sure there's yeah definitely stuff that uh suits the, the mood and the, the feeling for sure yeah and and that was kind of one of my motivations for getting it out sooner is like it's not a summer record right, right. <laughs> so I, got, I gotta get it out before spring really hits you know yeah 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 before people are happy again <laughs> <laughs> although like the 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 track that i made the music video for is is called summer glow and it is like kind of a celebration of summer it's more a beat than a lot i think that's the turning yeah. point actually that's that's where things sort of suddenly go on an upswing from a like emotionally yeah. right it, it's, it's it's dark and foreboding and then that happens and then there's kind of a rise from there with a few other tracks too so it's yeah it's kind of a yeah. cool midpoint of the record <laughs> thanks yeah I, I wrote that like sitting uh in my front yard in riverview Cool. With, like, at, you know, at the time I had a infant son who's just like toddling around yeah, and yeah. Like, feel, feeling the grass. And it was like a perfect, you know, summer day in, in Winnipeg. We had this like huge tree, elm tree, which you don't really see in Ontario. Right, right. You know, shading the sun. It was, yeah. Cool. And, the, and miraculously, I had like a bunch of f- footage already shot from my camera that oh, right on. kind of match that well and actually i think that's the exact same tree that i'm referencing in the lyrics oh cool <laughs> that cool. show up in the video <laughs> that's really cool yeah yeah so when is that actually coming out by the time this airs it might already be out but what's the release date i'm putting it out march 4th march 4th okay which coincidentally is the day before Bandcamp friday <laughs> oh yeah right yes that's good timing <laughs> and i guess Bandcamp's where you want people to go to to, to get a copy of that yeah to get the digital version yeah yeah that's the the only place where it'll be available um, yeah, but I've got the music video too that I'll be putting out. Like, yeah, it'll be out by the time this airs. Awesome, and that'll be on YouTube and Facebook. Today's the day that I come clean with what I've gotta say to you. I'm the last little left to lose. I know what else is new.
so I keep